The doctor said I'd never succeed in athletics. He said I'd never read beyond a seventh grade reading level and I'd probably never go to college and I'd probably never have um, good relationships or be able to accomplish anything that most people were able to accomplish in life. I have a full-time job in the medical field. I also have a Master of Divinity from Oral Roberts University. I graduated 4.0. I also graduated undergrad with degrees in psychology and theology with 3.9 from Oral Roberts University. I also have been married now coming into December 7th, the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. I would have been married three years and have a beautiful wife and I have a baby on the way in March. And I've memorized over 10,000 Bible verses and got to intern under Dr. Jack Van Impey. Welcome to the program. Today we're joined by Ron Sanderson. He is a Charisma House author of A Parent's Guide to Autism. That book is releasing in April 2016, but Ron is here with us. We wanted to just do something special because he is a very unique man. Uh, there are very few people that I meet that inspire me. And after meeting him just this one time, I was really impacted in a profound way. Ron, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me on your show. Yes. Ron has quite the testimony. Now, Ron, can you walk us through a little bit of your life? I'd love to share my testimony with you. My development began normal, and then at 18 months, I lost the ability to say words I had previously learned. I lost the ability to um, have good eye contact. During this time, my mom noticed that there was something unique about me and that set me apart from other babies. Um, my brother Chuck was born previous to me. That I cried more than he had as a baby. And then um, as I began um, kindergarten, I was way behind the other kids in the, the development that I had. And um, she paid to have testing done. And during this time, they found that I had a neurological disability called autism. So you were diagnosed as being autistic. I was diagnosed as being autistic at um, eight years old. Well, so from, from that point, your mom and dad didn't know what were the challenges as far as you being developmentally. And then we get to this point where you're now diagnosed uh, as being autistic. What was the doctor's prognosis for you? The doctor said I'd never succeed in athletics. He said I'd never read beyond a seventh grade reading level, and I'd probably never go to college, and I'd probably never have um, good relationships or be able to accomplish anything that most people were able to accomplish in life. Well, you have uh, obviously have beat the odds. Can you share with us a little bit about what you've done thus far based on that diagnosis, or that prognosis, rather. I have a full-time job in the medical field. I also have a Master of Divinity from Oral Roberts University. I graduated 4.0. I also graduated undergrad with degrees in psychology and theology with 3.9 from Oral Roberts University. I also have been married now coming into December 7th, the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. I would have been married three years and have a beautiful wife, and I have a baby on the way in March. And I've memorized over 10,000 Bible verses and got to intern under Dr. Jack Van Impey. 10,000 Bible verses. 10,000, all word perfect, and translated two-thirds of New Testament from Greek into English. So you're, you were you, the prognosis was you wouldn't be able to read past grade school level. 
and you've surpassed that. Obviously, you have a graduate degree. Yeah, and I also, during the last decade, read over 900 books, and most people only remember 20% of what they read. I've memorized at least 80% of everything I read I'll be able to quote back to you. I'm astounded because I, I know people that can't get through nine books, <laughs> much less 900. Uh, and you you have done that, and you're continuously reading. Yeah, I continuously read. I read, on the average, 90 books a year. 90 books. 90 books. And and this scripture memorization, you do this like someone would work out, like they would crossfit or, or something like that. Walk me through that process. How do you memorize that much scripture? I've spent over 30,000 hours since when I first began memorizing verses in 1994. In 1994, God spoke to me and said, memorize my word. Psalms 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. And the Bible was given not to increase our knowledge, but to transform our lives, D.L. Moody said. And that's exactly why I memorize the word of God, to transform me more in the image of Christ. And um, the way I memorize the Bible verses, I put them on note cards. When I first started memorizing the Bible, I just had an old NIV, which now if you open it up, all the pages would fall out because I use the Bible so much. And when I met Dr. Jack Van Impe for the first time in 1994, he said, how do you memorize the 2,000 verses that you have memorized? It took me um, over five years to memorize 2,000 verses, and you did it in one year. And I showed him how I'd memorized Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God said it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I'd quote him and show him, and I'd flip through the page. He said, if you do that, you'll never be able to memorize into the, th up into the multi-thousands, up to 10,000 or 15,000 like I have memorized. And he showed me to put them on note cards, five by eight note cards. So I started memorizing my note cards. Everywhere I go, I'd have my little note cards with the Bible verses. And when I note cards became too many to have in my pocket, I put them in little binders. And then now I'm up to 20 different binders and um, up to 10,000 verses memorized. And it takes me two hours a day going through the the verses, and I take two days off a week, the two days I have off from work. So you have dedicated your life to spiritual discipline. Yeah, I've dedicated my life to spiritual discipline, but autism has given me that focus where I can have that single focus on what I'm doing. As a child, it was prairie dogs. I carried a stuffed prairie dog around from kindergarten all the way to fifth grade and sixth grade, Prairie Pup got expelled from the public education system, and they wouldn't <laughs> let him come back. <laughs> so now you are, you, you have, I mean, you're, you're truly an overcomer uh, in, in your life. You've surpassed all the odds. Um, tell us more about your ministry. My ministry is called Spectrum, and it's um, Empowerment for Employment and Independence. Less than 5% of all people who have high-functioning autism will ever marry, will ever have children. Only about 10% of high-functioning autism will have a career. In my ministry, Spectrum, and it's based on the idea that autism is a spectrum, like a rainbow. There's some people who are lower-functioning, which I call more systematic, and then there's ones who are less systematic, who are able to be high-functioning, Asperger's, like I have. And my ministry is to go out, do conferences, train parents how to take that gift that they have and develop it for employment and independence so that they'll be able to accomplish the same type of things I've been able to accomplish, get married, have a career, be able to move out from mom and dad. 
Now, that being said, Ron, some some people in our circles would would say, well, you know, having a child that is autistic, that is not the will of God. Um, it, it's almost, you know, personified as being a curse. You know, how were you able to kind of break through that paradigm, that that mindset where people have, have thought that being autism is a sentence uh, that is from the enemy? The way I'd answer that question is that if someone wears glasses, um, they have a disability. They don't have perfect sight. But there is a day that's coming when God will heal all disabilities. And it's described in Isaiah chapter 65. It's described in Revelation 21.4 where God wipes away every tear from their eyes. But while we live this side of heaven, we only see in part and we only know in part, 1 Corinthians 13.8. But then there will come a day when those disabilities will become healed. So the pre-verbal child will be able to speak. The blind man will see. And until that day, we need to take the people who have disabilities and to develop their gifts and help them to be able to overcome those disabilities, the ability that they're able to. There's some who will never get completely healed this side of heaven. And um, a good example of that is that not everyone gets healed. Some people have cancer and then um, God will miraculously heal them. There's other ones who have cancer who stand in faith, as we see in Hebrews chapter 11, 1 through, 30, or 1 through 40, who um, end up dying in that that um, situation that they're in. But then there's some who will be able to be overcomers. But yet everyone can advance to some degree. And that's our goal is to help develop those gifts. So you're, so, I mean, your life has been shaped by faith. I mean, you truly are someone where the, where the word resides in their heart. How is your worldview of God uh, in comparison? Because someone else could go through some challenges in life and think, well, you know, things are never going to get better. And you were, there was a prognosis for you, but how did you break that barrier uh, where you saw that your life, you weren't going to let obstacles get in the way and push past that? I think the key to me was um, not just having uh, um, knowledge, but having an experience. Job 42, 5 said, my ears have heard of you. That's theology. And then it goes on to say, But now my eyes have seen you. That's an experience. And I think once you've seen God work in your life, once you've seen God move in your life, then you'll never go back. And that's how my life has been, that God's done a work in me, and I've seen his hand, and God takes what's in our hand to accomplish what's in our hearts. Exodus 4.17 says, Take that stand in your hand, or that staff in your hand, perform miraculous signs with it. And that's what God has done with me. He's taken my memory ability. He's taken my ability of track, being the first um, track runner in the United States to run past the age limit to get me a scholarship, to get me to Oral Roberts University, and help me overcome all these obstacles. So so you have just, so your belief system is is just not, it's, it's not the norm in the sense that you've, there's a corollary between experience as well as theology. Yeah, and you need that experience. You need God to work on your heart. It's not just head knowledge, but it's a miracle that's um, eight inches from the head to the heart. And when God transforms your heart and transforms your life, people can't deny that miracle. And when people see my life, they can't deny that I've overcome autism. They can't deny that um, God has done a true work in my life. And God can do a true work in children's autism's life. They may not speak this side of heaven, but yet God can 
change, transform, and work in people's hearts. Wow, this is profound. <laughs> so now tell me a little bit more about your, your athletic career. So you were, because there are some, depending on the spectrum uh, of autism, they are unable to participate in athletics, but you have been able to. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. There's many um, young adults with autism who would never be able to um, walk the way that everyone else does. There's repetitive behavior. Some will have swing in their movement or um, walk um, in an awkward motion due to the autism. But Autism gave me the ability to be focused in on track and be able to um, harness it. And before memory work was my passion or special interest, track was. And when track was my interest, every day when I got off out of school at 3 o'clock, I had to do two hours of working out with weights. My senior year of high school, I could already bench over 260 pounds, and I could run the half mile in 158. And I had to every day run the five miles and every day work out with weights. Where the other runners I ran with, they take days off. I could never take days off from my regimen that I in routine that I kept up with. And then coming into my um, junior year of high school, my relay team finished 12th in the state of Michigan for the 3200 relay. And on the way back from the track meet, Clay said to um, he was our anchor runner, he looked at um, Coach Bud and he said, next year we'd be the fastest relay in the state of Michigan for the 3200, but we won't have Ron on our team. And right then I looked at Nate and I said, next year I'm going to run. I heard the voice of God speak to me. He said, if you don't run, no one's going to run on this team. And it looked impossible. Time went by and um, my parents contacted lawyers because I was past the age limit. And every lawyer said it'd cost $40,000 to take your case and we won't take it. And, um, I came back from a five-mile run, and there on the front page of the newspaper was a young adult named Craig Stanley. He was um, 19 years old and passed the age limit, born in May 1975, which I was born. And he, would, they weren't going to let him run either to MHSA because he was three months over the age limit like me. We contacted their family. His parents told my parents, they said, we've contacted all the lawyers. They said that they won't take our case. And I said, we're going to run. I don't know how, but we're going to run. As an infant, I was baptized. And when I was nine months old and I was baptized, I said my first word, mommy. And I knew God had put on my heart to be rewater baptized. And the day I got water baptized was a Sunday. And when Pastor Rob Fisk pulled me out of the water, he looked at me and he said, I don't know. Um why I'm getting this word from God, but I know it's from you. It's Joel 2.25. I repay the years that the locusts eaten, the great locusts, the young locusts, the locust swarms, a great army I sent among you. And he said, today a blessing is going to come into your life, and those locusts are going to be removed, and this blessing is going to affect every area of your life and ministry. And when I got home that day, I saw the answering machine and this was before cell phones or other um, <laughs> modern um, technology. technology, and it was blinking red. And when I pressed the button, it was a young Jewish lawyer named Rick Landel, and he said, I want to take your case pro bono. And the time that he called was the exact time I was coming out of the water. Wow. And it was like the heavens opened up, God sent down his blessing, and was able to speak that blessing through that pastor he took the case. We won. I got to compete my senior year on 3,200 relay team, and we f ran the second fastest time in the state of Michigan, our 182 teams. Wow. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we're, we're joined today by Ron Sanderson, author of A Parent's Guide to Autism. In a moment, we're going to talk to Ron about changing belief systems. This is fascinating. So we'll be back after a word from our sponsor. Are you frustrated because you feel like you were built for more destiny and more purpose? Then Robert Henderson's No More Delay Conference is just for you. Save the dates between June 30th and July 2nd because Henderson designed the No More Delay Conference to release you and the nation of America into God's plans and purposes. Henderson says sometimes we think it's not God's timing for our dreams, when in reality, it's obstacles in the spirit realm that hold us back. You can learn from several teachers how to remove the legal rights of your legal opponent in the courts of heaven so that you can see the fullness of your future come now. Register today for the No More Delay Conference that takes place in Dallas on June 30th through July 2nd. You can register at roberthenderson.org slash register. Again, that's roberthenderson.org slash register. And we're back. Thanks for joining us. We're here with Ron Sanderson, uh, Charisma House author of Appearance Guide to Autism. And as we mentioned, Ron is going to talk to us about beliefs and the belief system and how it impacts our faith. Ron, you know, your life has been shaped by, by thoughts. I mean, all of our lives have been shaped by thoughts and, and uh, experiences. How do you retain your faith? And have you seen a corollary between how people view God and their belief system? I think your faith is either growing or decreasing at all times. And the importance is, is what you feed in your life will grow. And um, John Wesley, the famous um, Methodist founder, said, um, lost my train of thought. John, Method- or John Wesley said, um, we will feed on what we, or what you feed in your life will grow. And the importance is, is a feed on the things God has for you, to read God's word, to pray, to um, stay focused on God. And the most important part is obedience. You'll meet people who um, have been Christian for years, and yet they're in diapers because they don't obey God's word. You'll meet people who just got saved and are on fire for God and are doing great things, and they're mature in their faith because they're obedient to God. And I think the key is that um, following God and obeying his word. We discussed offline that you, you, you stated something to me about the miraculous and why some people uh, see the miraculous as just being luck. Can you expound on that a bit? Yeah, the, our, um, our facts, our hired servants are presupposition. And there's three main types of presuppositions you can have. You can have a belief in God, which is a theist position. You can have no belief in God, where you put an augment in front of theist, which would be atheist, which is there is no God. And then there's the agnostic, which Gnosticism means knowledge, and augment in front of it means lack of knowledge, which means you don't know if there is a God or isn't a God. And our experience in life and how we interpret it, our facts, determine based on our presupposition, do we believe in God, do we not believe in God or do we not know, determines how we view things. And a good example is I had a friend, Steve, and his condo burned down. And there's four views of why the condo burned down. There's a theist view. I had all old furniture, good insurance, and 
God said, let it be light, like in Genesis 1-3, up goes a condo, <laughs> down comes from heaven. As James 1-17 says, every good and perfect gift, new furniture from the insurance company. There's a devil view. I had all new furniture. I was living by faith like Abraham, and the devil pulled out his zippo and bang, I got yourself a fire, like Fire Marshal Bill, and I lost everything like Job. There's a atheist view. Those solders would have known what they were doing. They wouldn't have burned down my condo and I'd be able to sit on my couch and enjoy the football game. Then there's agnostic view. I don't know what the heck happened. I just came home and it was burned down. Multiple views of God. Multiple views of God. And that's what the first book I ever wrote covers. Thought, choice, action. Because our thoughts, our choice determines our actions. Like we talked about before, why do some people shine forth as sh stars in the universe? Colossians 2.17, and why do some seem to go backwards? Mm -hmm. Now, do you think that there is a way for believers that say they may, uh, they've been kind of stuck to get unstuck? Yeah, I think the key to getting unstuck is obedience. The last point you heard, God, obey God. Follow God, and you'll be unstuck. And then go from and there. And go from there. Wow. Instant obedience, they Instant. call it. <laughs> Andrew Murray. Now, I mean, you've had such a, a varied career uh, just in terms of ministry. So you, you got your MDiv at Oral Roberts University, and then you went immediately to work for Jack Van Impey. Is that correct? I um, worked for Dr. Jack Van Impey in college while I was working on my MDiv. But right after college, I went and worked in youth ministry, and I did that for four years. Mm -hmm. And all uh, that time, continually memor uh, memorization. Memorization, yep. And during um, from 1995, or 94, actually, when I started memorizing verses to the present, I spent over 30,000 hours memorizing Bible verses. And that's not counting the 900 books I've read during that time, too. So now, between you and your brother, how many Bible verses have you both memorized? We have 15,000 combined memorized. I have 10,000 memorized. He has 5,000 memorized. And he can quote um, the whole book, Ecclesiastic, Word Perfect. And I can quote 22 books in New Testament, Word Perfect. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I'm flummoxed. That's why I'm quiet. Uh, just the, the mere fact that, uh, you know, I know Christians that some of them s struggle with just memorization of John 3.16 and to hear thousands upon thousands uh, of, of Scripture verses memorized, um, even exegetically, where your, your memorization is in context. Uh, that's, that's a gift from God. That is the miraculous. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> now, what are the next steps for, for you and your ministry? My next steps is uh, hold conferences that teach parents how to develop their children's gifts for empowerment in employment and independence. Because many kids, with young adults with autism, experience chronic unemployment or chronic underemployment. And with my ministry spectrum, I'm going to teach these young adults, mentor them through conferences, through books, and how to develop their gifts and talents and how to use them for God's glory. There's many young adults out there who have amazing abilities but aren't always recognized. Clay Marzo's the fifth best surfer in the world freestyle, and yet he has Asperger's. And um, his mom, Jill, developed that gift, helped him, and he was able to accomplish great things and be a professional surfer. Um, Kimberly, 
whose daughter Alexis Weinman has autism was able to be um, Miss Montana in 2012, or 2012. So my goal is to help other parents be able to help their kids accomplish great things as these parents have. And I interview parents. I also interview young adults with autism, write, tell their story as a journalist. And then also on the practical end, I have many young adults who contact me and I help them develop their gifts. Wow. So this book, A Parent's Guide to Autism, in a, in a sense, it's the first Christian book on autism written by an author diagnosed with the condition. Yeah, it's the first book ever published by a Christian publisher by a young adult on the spectrum who has autism. There's been many books published, but none um, written for a Christian audience by a Christian who has autism. Wow. So this is this is profound. So, Ron, where can uh, our listeners can find you? Is there a website that they can go to or a social media outlet? Right now, Facebook. I'm on Facebook. Just Google Ron Sanderson and up perhaps my um, Facebook. And also, you can email me at sanderson456 at hotmail.com. Excellent. Thank you for joining us for the podcast. And thank you, Ron. Ron, before we before we break off, uh, would you would you pray for for families that um, may be challenged with a, a bad report, or even someone that may have received a, a bad report from uh, from the doctor that they will believe God's report? And yeah, God, we just lift up to you all parents who have children on the spectrum, all young adults who are on the spectrum and have received a bad report, and we just pray that you're grace be poured out upon him, your blessing. Yes. It says in Psalms 112, 7 for 8, you have no fear, bad news, his heart is steadfast, trust in the Lord. And we just place it in your hands. God, we just pray that you'll give insight, wisdom, and knowledge to the parents dealing with tough issues and problems today. We just pray that they'll have no fear of the bad report, but the grace of God will come in. When my foot slipped, your grace uplifted me. Psalms 9418 says, and we just pray your grace will uplift us in Jesus' name and you up. Bye. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Ron Sanderson. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible. Music